And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a terrific weekend. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my good friend Aaron Bandler from Jewish Journal. It's always a great time talking to Aaron. Uh, we covered a lot. Covered a lot of ground. Uh, it was a little bit longer uh, episode today. I'm going to do a couple longer episodes this week to make uh, to make it up to you for uh, not doing a Monday show last week. So, uh, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, it's always a great time talking to Aaron. Uh, before I get to Aaron, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Aaron Bandler. All right, guys, we're here with Dr. Aaron Bandler. <laughs> Doctor, hey, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, and I like to, I like the same of Dr. Bandler. <laughs> how are you? How are you, Dr. Brady? I am... I am doing very doctorly today. That is, uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm doing well. well. We'll get to the world's dumbest news cycle in just a second, but uh, I do have to mention, you know, we have to let the people know that you and I are uh, facing off this week and next week in the first round of the fantasy football playoffs. So, uh, how how are you feeling about your chances against your boy? I'm feeling pretty good, actually. Um, I, uh, I mean, I just feel like my team is now like gotten healthy at the right time. Uh, I, I got some good matchups next week, you know, and so, and so, long, as I, so long as I have Tyreek Hill going, I think I, I think I have any chance to win it any any week because Tyreek Hill is just that good to, like, go off for, like, 50 points any week. So, yeah, man, catching t- um, touchdowns and beating children, the, the, the Tyreek Hill special. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, man, I, uh, I think you're right. And lucky for you, my team is not getting healthy. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Currently, most of my team either has coronavirus or is on injured reserve. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a chance I can get Chris McCaffrey back next week, and that would be uh that would be fantastic. But I don't know. Yeah, it's I, just, it's, it just feels like every week it sounds like oh oh C Max gonna be back, and then he's just not. Man, I mean, dude, my my bench is just like the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Chris McCaffrey, George Kittle, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I've got a. Uh, uh, Miles Gaskin on there, he's hurt. Uh, who else do I have that's hurt? I, everybody's hurt, man. It, it's I mean, pathetic. But you did, I mean, you did play Josh Jacobs this week to your detriment. Because, oh, that's right, because I did. Because Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor was was going off on your bench. I I know, man. I picked up Jonathan Taylor off waivers, and I I considered it. I was looking at. I was not going to play James Conner because the Steelers forgot how to run the ball for some reason yeah. in the last couple months. But I was like, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor. I'm like. Ah, Jacobs is like running back seven on the year. I'm like, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna stick with him. I drafted him in the second round. I'm gonna stick with him. That uh, that's what we call a mistake. That was a huge mistake. Jonathan Taylor <laughs> yeah. had like 30 points on my bench. Brutal, brutal stuff. Brutal. So look, I know it's not an important piece of news, but we will get to it because it is hilarious. Um, this is the dumbest news cycle I've seen in a while, man. Um, the Wall Street yeah. Journal read an op- uh, ran an op-ed over the weekend stating 
uh, in line with you know common sense, that we don't actually have to call Joe Biden's wife uh, Jill Biden, Doctor Jill, like she insists, um, because she's not a real doctor. Uh, she has a doctorate in education, uh, and the press went crazy. And it shows to the extent that the press will defend any Democrat for any reason. Like this is just not common sense. Joe Biden is not a real doctor. Typically, only I mean, people who are medical doctors go by doctor. Um, but the press can't handle it. Like, they, they have to circle the wagons and defend any Democrat from any criticism, regardless of the situation. It's just bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is what they do. It's like the, the, the Democrats, media, like, they... I mean, like, they, they're, they're all terrible, obviously, but they know how... They always defend their guys. They always circle the wagons. Um, and they will do so until, until basically it's until the right gets worn down. Right. Um, and unfortunately the right isn't as good at this because like, we're so quick to throw people onto the bus, you know, obviously Trump has, has gone thrown under the bus a lot these past four years, especially now, uh, with all, the, all these lawsuits. And it's, it's like a lot of people on the right are like, are like very quick to like sneer and laugh whenever whenever um one of these lawsuits fails and i think i think a lot of people on the right are really missing the boat uh or, or missing, missing the bigger picture on these lawsuit challenges we can talk about that later if you want um but yeah the democrats always find a way to defend their their people no matter what and yeah i mean this is a stupid controversy she is not a medical doctor she's just <laughs> she, 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 she doesn't have a phd she's not a doctor I mean, the same goes for Barbara Fer- uh, Ferrer, who is um, the county public health director here in L.A. Um, she is also not a real doctor because her Ph.D. is in social welfare. And yet she's setting. Oh, gosh, I didn't know uh, that. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and yet she's the one setting our, uh, you know, our, our, the county's policy to this pandemic. And that's why you're seeing all these stupid lockdowns <laughs> for like no good reason. And what's funny about this, I don't know that it's kind of, I'm getting off on a tangent now. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I live down here, so, you know, I have very strong opinions on this, but, um, what's funny is that like they that they were, the County was asked for data to show that like outdoor dining has led to bigger spikes, uh, in COVID cases. And they're like, oh, we have them. And then, um, w- w- when that data was actually, uh, produced in court, the data actually showed otherwise. But they still voted three to two to lock that to like ban outdoor dining, um, and there's and the city can't even challenge it because the county has that much power. Um, so things are going very swimmingly down here in LA. Um, but yeah, I mean, but but yeah, the point is is that she's not a real doctor. Neither is Joe Biden. These these not controversial statements. And also, I find it interesting how like the Biden the Biden team is calling for the Wall Street Journal to retract this op-ed. <laughs> now, if, if Trump were to, be, were to be calling for New York Times op-ed to be retracted, I think the media would be all up in arms in righteous indignation, being like, oh, well, this is an attack on the on the free press. Democracy dies in darkness. <laughs> but the Wall Street Journal just fighting nothing. Look, it, I it, mean, like, the double standard is just ridiculous. Right, and look, it... it... For fairness sake, there are some people, there's a few people on the right that kind of behave like this in regards to Trump. Like like the, you know, the one America newses of the world, you know, yeah. they'll literally just defend anything Trump says. Like he could just go on some insane 
Twitter. This is in an unfortunate Twitter rant or whatever, and say a bunch of dumb stuff that isn't true. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh well, he's playing 3D underwater chess." <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, no, yeah, come on, yeah, no. 4D chess. Yeah, 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 no, I know. And then so, but like, there's a few people on the right to do that, but it's the entire corporate press does this <laughs> on the left. It's like, yeah, there's just no reason. Like, no, I, we're not calling. Jill Biden, who who at age like fifty five or sixty something like that, got a doctorate in education. No, we're not calling her Doctor Jill because that's just weird. And yeah, they, there's no reason for them to come to her defense. But and look, and also, obviously, Melania Trump was mocked relentlessly for four years. I mean, her, they they, they call, the the press called her a whore. They made fun of her clothing. You know, she had her private phone conversations recorded and leaked to the press and then yeah. just like that ju- just like that Aaron I mean I mean doctor um <laughs> first ladies <laughs> are off limits okay like no 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 you cannot behave the way you behaved in regards to Melania Trump for four years and then say first ladies are off limits how about you guys go kick rocks yeah it, it's it's especially since like Jill especially Melania doesn't really get involved in like in like political matters really you know no. it, it's like she kind of just like does her own thing and she's you know, she, she's doing good things. Like, she, like she has been pressed. She's she's been on a campaign to try and in the diction, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, which is obviously something that everybody should be in favor of. Right. Um. And whereas Joe Biden is like openly getting involved in politics, in defending her husband because her husband was clearly um not in a is not in the right mental state of mind to defend himself. Right. Uh, Since he can't string together a coherent sentence anymore. Um, So look, I mean, like if, if you're getting involved in politics, then it's fair game. Like politics is a contact sport, you know, but like Melania is not doing that. So, I I mean, it's again, double standards, the double standards. That is what the media and the Democrats are all about. Um, And yeah, this latest non-controversy or I guess a uh, controversy over over calling Jill Biden doctor or not is the latest example of that. No, you're absolutely right, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the the press's hypocrisy. This was a real doozy this morning. A headline from CNN. Um, I mean, I, it's hard not to laugh reading this headline. But this is from CNN's John Harwood this morning. Um, quote: Here's the headline. <laughs> quote. Alone among the 13 presidents since World War II, Trump will exit the White House with fewer Americans employed than when he started. He will have seen punier growth in economic output than any of the previous 12, unquote. Um, Aaron, it, did anything happen this year? <laughs> and it, is, is there sure. anything in the news this, this a, year? This is such a very quiet year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, business no, as usual. Uh, it, business as usual, yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, there's this kind of pandemic that's going on right now. And specifically, there are all these lockdowns happening, and specifically in Democ- in blue states, in blue cities and counties, that really can, can, can be attributed can can be the biggest factor. Really, I think are the biggest factors to un- to our economic woes more so than the pandemic is. Um, but yeah, apparently the, to John Harwood, like none of that counts. It's just like yeah, business as usual. 20, 2020 is just another year. Um, and of course, the sad irony of all this is that had there been no uh, pandemic this year, then Trump probably wins the election easily because the economy was booming up until the pandemic started. I mean, the, the, the left won't acknowledge that. Media won't acknowledge that. But it's true that people were doing really well all across the economic spectrum until the pandemic hit. 
Um, and, um, and and even and even then, like it's really again, it's the lockdowns that have had the biggest you know, the biggest detriment to, to the economy, and then the fact that Democrats have have been stonewalling any sort of COVID relief bill um, until now until the election ended. And Nancy Pelosi openly said, like, yeah, we just we we just want to wait till the election was over to pass something, you know. So so here you have the Democrats admitting that they were openly stalling a relief bill for people who've been unemployed as, as a result of, of, of these lockdowns um, just because they want to be Trump. The thing because is, Orange Man bad. The, the, the fascinating thing to me is, like you said, Nancy Pelosi admitted that. She admitted that she you know, sank any, any hopes of a COVID bailout yeah. until after the election. But the thing is, you, you can't run a headline like this. You can't write an article like this if you think that your readers are intelligent and I mean, they're, they're just insulting the intelligence of, of the American electorate by writing this. And the thing is, and like, here's the thing. Here's the disappointing thing that I've learned this year is that they're right. Like, I think CNN's right that the American electorate's really stupid. I think the American electorate is a lot dumber than I thought. And I mean, I hate to disparage the voters, but I really do believe this election was an IQ test and the American people failed. Um, I mean, look. The, the the Democrats aren't hiding the ball. Like you said, Nancy Pelosi came out and admitted what she was doing. But it just shows the power of the press. I mean, Democratic oh, sure. Democratic governors shut down the economy at gunpoint, and the press convinced the electorate that it's Trump's fault. I mean, it, I mean yes, we get that the, the press is the enemy of the people. We get that these people are depraved, evil actors. But the American people fell for it. Like, they are right. They, the CNN's John Harwood this morning is basically accused his audience of being too stupid to— to see two inches in front of their face, and he's right. I mean, the the election kind of proved that he's right. I mean, I don't know, man. I the press is a lot more powerful than we thought, and I think the the American electorate is a lot less educated than we thought. Um, I I I, I think there's a little bit of there's definitely some truth to both. I mean, I I would say that given how um, I mean, there are still 74, 75 million people that voted for Trump. Right. Um, so I I, I think like. I think that's where it's still like it's about like a fifty-fifty. It's about a fifty-fifty divide. Uh, so I guess that means only half the country is stupid. <laughs> I, but I, I really just looking at this election, looking at how you know red states performed. I mean, take New York and Florida, right? Both in terms yeah. of deaths and in in terms of unemployment and just any economic metric you can look at. And then you look at the, the fact that the Democrats ran a man with dementia. It's like, I, I mean. <laughs> This should have been a a, a 1984 Reagan Mondale blowout. Yeah, no, and, and, yeah, I agree, and and I, and I think that had had this had there not been a pandemic, then it probably would have been. Um, but you know that's not what happens, and unfortunately, there's a, there's a tendency for people, like when bad things happen under a president, like they people tend to blame, you know, the person sitting in power when the bad thing happens. You know, because, because sometimes the sometimes comes to the economy. Sometimes the president isn't always to blame for the economic slowdown, uh, or doesn't always deserve just always doesn't always deserve credit for a booming economy, because there are obviously multiple factors that go into that. Um, and of course, in the case of the pandemic, it's like obviously it's not Trump's fault to happen. Like it's it's China's fault. Everywhere, all parts of the globe have been hit hard by this pandemic. No country has been spared. Um, but the left, but Enforcing the left has has been good at blaming it all on Trump, even even though even though to be frank, we're going to get out of this a lot sooner than people expected because of Trump, because 100%. he because he is the one who has launched Operation Warp Speed and has gotten the vaccine, 
in like a little, a little more than a year's time, which is really remarkable when you think about it. But the sad irony is, is that Biden is going to get credit for it. And I guarantee you that there are probably going to be some missteps when it comes to distributing the vaccine uh, in the coming months. And it's just going to land on Trump, even though, it's, even though it will likely be the Biden team's fault. Um, but that's where we are with the press right now. Um, and I mean, the fact is, is that if, if we actually had an objective media, um, then Democrats would never win another election. Ever. I just keep I keep coming to the point where I, I'm like, look, the press has been so thoroughly discredited that the American people are going to be able to see through their lies. I keep thinking that. And I think the American electorate keeps proving me wrong. They keep proving yeah, that they well, are not smart enough to see through the lies of the press. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know how. What do we got to do? To destroy the press. I mean, they, it's, wh- it's, how it's can they tough. be I, further discredited than, than what they already are? You know so what I mean? So I think that um, – so I, it, the thing interesting is, is that is that we look at polls every year in terms of like – in terms of like who people trust. The media is has been at an all-time low in like recent years. Like people, people by and large don't trust the press. The problem is that the left has taken over all their institutions. So the, obviously the media – academia, Hollywood, and now sports is just like 24-7 social right. justice, which is nauseating. It, it's, it's like kind of like no matter where you turn now, it's like you can't escape from politics. And specifically, you can't escape from the left because they've taken over, they have just taken over all of our institutions. And I think, I think this election shows that how much that matters because, um, look, I, I mean, the fact is, is that we did not have a free and fair election. And I'm not talking about fraud at this point, even though there was really a lot of fraud that happened. A, a lot of these state, a lot of these election laws the, that's, that, that, that these swing states have changed um, over the past year or so were done in violation of their own constitutions. Um, right. and, and, and I think, I mean, again, I, I don't want to tangent here, but the fact is, is that we talk about these lawsuits and people are just like, oh, it's, it's not, it's just, it's Trump trying to steal an election. Like, it's not, it's not enough to, it's not enough to overturn the election results. It's, it's like people, people, aren't, people are missing the point because, because basically these lawsuits are about trying to stop states from running rough shots over their own constitutions. Right. And basically painting in these electors. Um, and that's what these lawsuits are really about. And by the Supreme Court not taking up these Pennsylvania cases, it sets the precedent that now states can that states can go rogue and violate their own constitutions when it comes to election laws. And so now that's going to be the baseline going forward for future elections. Yeah, which I mean, we're going to have it's going to this, get worse. Yeah, we're going to have this mail-in voting nonsense forever now. And here's the thing: I mean, you're right about that, um, but I, I'm 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 mad at the Trump team for not challenging this in court before the election. He should have sued Pennsylvania in July or whenever they changed, you know, like like you said, changed their voting law in violation of their own state constitution. Why didn't the lawsuit happen then? I mean, why why right. is it after uh, the uh, fact? Uh, like, I, I don't mean, know why they didn't take action when it could actually make a difference. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I, I get it, I, and you're totally right about that, and I hate that these states are illegally changing voting laws to help Democrats. That's obviously evil. That's, that's wrong. But I... I, I Complaining about it after the fact is not is not beneficial for anybody. Like I, I I don't I think the Trump team missed the ball. I don't know why they didn't get involved before the election when they could actually you know have time to bring this to the Supreme Court. Right. I, I mean I, I just don't understand it. 
I do think I, I do think a lot of Republicans were caught flat-footed by these election watchings changes. But I mean, there were some legal challenges to, to, to Pennsylvania to Pennsylvania's election laws. So the problem is that is that their Supreme Court has been completely taken over by the Democrats. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and, and, that, and again, it's like the Democrats don't play, don't play the long game. And it's a couple of years ago. You know, the Democrats went all in on, on taking that Supreme Court, and, and they won because Republicans were sleeping. Um, and so they based that Supreme Court basically institutionalized the state's laws. And I remember, like, I think a few days to, to like, a week before the election, there was a challenge like, to Pennsylvania's laws to the Supreme Court, and John Roberts was just kind of, was just like, nah. And he said, nah. Like, no. Like, like you know, like, this it, it, I think the argument back then was, well, you don't have standing because you haven't demonstrated harm yet. Right. And then now that there, that there is demonstrated harm, it's like I think now the argument is called latches, which is which, which is a legal term for saying, oh, it's too late. Right. That's the fact. So 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 it, it's a normal situation where it's like before it's like, oh, you can't prove that people have been hurt by this yet. And then after the fact, it's like, oh, it's too late. Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense you to know? me at so, all. So I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, the courts. Kind of like uh, the courts basically this election cycle have proven that they, they just want no part in it, no part of it. And it's probably because they know that if they were to get involved in it, then the, then the media would just go bonkers on them and just like accuse them of destroying democracy and, and what have you. And what's really disappointing about this is that I expect this from Roberts and from the activists, but like all the five constitutionals on the court, it's like it's. Uh, to not even give an explanation for not taking these cases is just beyond disappointing. Like Alito, Alito and Thomas especially, because they are supposed to be the reliable votes. And and the fact and Alito was was, was I think the main the main was like the guy, the, the, basically like the head, the spear of, of what I take on the case or not. He just said now nah, and didn't bother give an explanation. Like that's beyond disappointing. Um, and clearly, the, the three time appointees probably didn't are, are still new to the court. They probably didn't want to be accused of, of of being like, oh, they just wanted to help out, you know, their boss or whatever. Um, and so, and I think also, I think also, they're afraid uh, Democrats will pack the court if they were to win these Georgia runoffs, which is a a, a very real possibility, unfortunately, and that should be scary to everybody. Um, so um, again, I, I, the the court. I think has been basically sort of implicitly bullied in, in, into submission because of the media, because the Democrats start support packing and it's going to be a detriment to our Republic be, because of, because now there's going to be a lot more, um, a lot of, uh, it's, it's, it's be a lot more like rogue election law policy coming our way in the next, next three few years. And unfortunately it could be a scenario where we're, country turns into california because of how these states are now basically allowed to just like like set their election law policy no matter what the constitution say yeah i mean look these we better not lose these uh runoff elections on january 5th in georgia because look I, I i i think if the democrats pack the court we're looking at secession i, I, I don't agree. i don't think that the country holds together um if if the democrats pack the court i, I just don't think half the country is going to be ruled by this communist authoritarian power grab move by the Democrats. It's just not, I, I don't see Texas 
being they're not going to allow a, a Joe Biden, you know, they're not going to have Joe Biden appoint whatever five, six, seven new Supreme Court justices and just do whatever these whatever transgendered commies uh, that, that he appoints <laughs> to the Supreme Court says. I, I just don't see Texas saying, OK, I guess we'll just uh, obey our overlords in Washington, D.C. I, I I don't think that happens. And, and, you know, the talk of secession, which is a kind of a joke right now. I don't think we're actually yeah. that close to secession. But if the Democrats pack the court, I think the entire game changes and it results in, in the United States breaking up into at least two separate countries. Yeah. And, and it's not just packing the court either. It's the fact that they could pro- that they'll, they'll probably do is that they'll, they'll end the filibuster in the Senate. Um, and then they'll, and then they'll start like they'll probably give they could give statehood to D.C., and to uh, Puerto and to, like Puerto Rico, and then get Dem senators from those states, and basically ensure that they, they have a, a they have a permanent Democratic majority in the Senate for like the rest of time. Um, and then, of course, like with that's the major with the, that filibuster, they could basically pass any of their progressive like I, the progressive utopian policies from like the Green New Deal on down. And yeah, I mean, I do worry that that those actions would cause a breaking point. And the country, and for the record, like, I mean, look, I don't favor secession. I mean, we, we fought a civil war over this. Right. Um, to, I know some people will say secession in the Constitution. It's not. Uh, if Rebass has notes, like, he was very much against secession. I, um, I'm, but I, I think, as you were basically saying, it, it's like, you know, if these things happen with the Senate, then, the, then, there, then, I, then it could be a breaking point to where, red states do start talking about secession and they start actually doing it. And I don't want to see that happen. Um, so hopefully we reach a point, hopefully like, again, it just goes to show how crucial these Georgia Senate races are. Um, and that's why, that's why talk of not voting because a rigged election is just so stupid. Um, and, and look, I mean, obviously like, I, I, and I say this to somebody who, who again, like I, I just discussed how these, these election laws have been rigged. In the case of Georgia, their their Rhino Secretary of State for into a secret agreement with Stacey Abrams to like change uh, the ver- signature verification laws um, unilaterally, which is an obvious violation of the state's constitution. So look, is I'm that favor- true? Is that true? Yeah, Did that actually yeah. happened. Yeah, that actually happened. Um, so I so look, I'm all in favor of like holding. Georgia Republicans accountable, but it's but as as Ben Shapiro said last week, it's like it's to not vote in these Georgia runoff elections and hand the Democrats power in the Senate. It's worse than cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's cutting off your head. Yeah, it's to spite your face. Like it's it's just like you know, look, just keep keep the Democrats from power first, and then and then let's focus on holding you know our own party accountable. Yeah, please, Georgia Republicans, do not listen to these charlatans. You know. What's her name? Sydney Powell or wherever these these people are. Vote. Go vote. Vote early and often, please. <laughs> yeah. For David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. Uh, before I let you go, Aaron, I I uh, I know I'm as a podcast host, I'm supposed to pretend to know everything about everything, but <laughs> I'm man enough to admit uh, when I, I really don't know much about an issue. Um, but I, I do want to discuss right wing Twitter today has been debating again, and this happens every few months. Uh, but yeah. right, right wing Twitter is debating uh, this morning once again whether or not President Trump should pardon uh, Edward Snowden. And and look, a lot of people on both sides are very upset about this. 
I know I'm supposed to pretend to know all the ins and outs of every issue on this podcast, but I, I don't. I'm only a man. I, I don't know all things. So I, I don't really know much. I, I'll be honest. I do not know much about Edward Snowden. I know that he exposed John Brennan and, and the CIA for the, the liars that they are. I know he exposed that the deep state was, in fact, spying on Americans and lying about it. Um, I mean, like, that on its face is great. You know, obviously, we don't have journalists in this country, unfortunately. They, that is a dead profession. Yeah. Um, journalists don't actually report the news. They're just, you know, the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party. So with, with in, in the lack, in the, the vacuum that is journalism, um, you know, I, I want to know when the, the United States federal government is doing something evil. Um, I, I want to know. So I'm glad that information came out. I know, like, I guess Snowden has some connection to Russia or whatever. Like, I, I, I just don't really know um, the ins and outs of this from my ignorant perspective, my innocent childlike perspective. I'm sitting over here in my corner like, uh, you know, well, I'm glad I'm glad Snowden, you know, leaked all this information. So it's like, where, where do you come down on this? Because I, I don't so, really know. I, I, I don't really know enough to have a position one way or the other. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't pretend to like be an expert on Snowden either, but I know this debate has been going on for a while now. Like, even, even going back to when Snowden first became known because what put him on the public radar was the fact that he, ex, he exposed um, the NSA's spying, basically, on American citizens. I think that's an important thing to be exposed uh, the problem is that after he did that, he then sought refuge in Putin's Russia, and now is basically cozy up to Putin. Um, and so this is where sort of the debate between whether Snowden's a hero or a traitor um, tends to, to center on. Um, I I sort of have like a, a, a kind of like in the middle take, which is like it was good to expose the NSA for, for what they were doing, but cozy up to Putin is bad. And so that's and so it's because because of the Putin, I don't think that it's right to pardon him. Um, I think the big, I, I think the bigger, the one that would bother me more is pardoning Julian Assange. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, WikiLeaks did expose a bunch of powerful people four years ago, but the fact is, is that one, those emails were stolen, uh, which is a violation of law. And he was doing so at Russian's behest, which is obviously very bad. And Julian Assange has, um, in twenty in like twenty ten, like he was leaking information about Afghanistan, um, that put you know American lives in danger. And and he's also wanted for rape or sexual assault, um, in in the UK. But he's been taking refuge in in, in you know in um, Ecuador's embassy for years. I I don't know if. I, I don't know if British, if like Ecuador changed policy on Assange recently. I, I seem to recall something about that. Um, but the bottom line is that, is that Julian Assange is not a good dude, and he's, he's also like a he's also a, like Here's a leftist. I, too. I know less about Julian Assange than I do about Edward Snowden. <laughs> so, uh, well, well, I, well, I that's can't why, even comment, no, well, man. <laughs> here I am, like telling telling you about it, and Assange is kind of like Glenn Greenwald, in that like he's so far to the left, but like, he'll criticize. Like Hillary Clinton and so forth, but like the, the position of Hillary Clinton being a warmonger, not being, you know, a corrupt, you know, Alinskyite progressive. Um, and so, like, you know, I, I think that, like, look, I'm glad Trump pardoned Flynn. Um, and, but I, and, um, so, but I, I don't think Snowden and, um, and if Trump's going to pardon people, it really shouldn't be Snowden and Assange. 
Um, I mean, it, it wouldn't be as bad as like Clinton pardoning Mark Rich right. Here's or the, the ABLN terrorist, the, but the like thing, it's the, still, it still wouldn't be a good thing. The thing I just don't, the thing I can't get past. Like I said, just take everything I say on this on this matter with a grain of salt because I just haven't done my research. But it's like I can't get past the fact that we don't have journalists in this country. Like we don't have journalists yeah. in the West. Like in like I, I, I just the profession is gone. So it's like yeah. I, I don't know how else these things are going to be exposed without whistleblowers. And like I, you know what I mean. So it's like. They, we never would have known about the NSA and the CIA and, and John Brennan. We wouldn't know that he was perjuring himself in front of Congress. Like we wouldn't have known that. So it's like I, unless we we you know come up, unless journalism itself makes a resurgence, which I don't see happening anytime soon. I, I know some people on the right are attempting. You know, like the Daily Wire is is they're opening up like a, a news division, you know, essentially, and hiring investigative journalists. I know, you know, the Daily Caller is hi- hiring more journalists, and so there are some people tr- making attempts on the right to actually employ fair journalists who actually care about getting to the bottom of the, the of the facts. But like, we just don't have journalists in this country right now, and I mean, my goodness, what what if Edward Snowden never leaked this information? What if we didn't know that the the NSA was spying on American citizens? Like, I don't know, man. I I love this country, but I hate the government. So it's like I I don't really, and that's just my libertarian side coming out. Like, I don't feel this like deep loyalty to the United States federal government. You know, what I mean? like I love this country, man, more than anybody. Right. But I just I don't care. Like, I want to know if our government is involved in evil behavior. I want to know about it. And 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 it's not that I don't care that this guy cozied up with Putin. Like, that's bad. Putin's a bad guy. But it's like. I kind of don't care. Like, I kind of, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I, I feel like I, in lieu of journalists, we need something. And that something yeah, is, I, is apparently I, I, I very flawed, but it's I, it's I, better than nothing. You know, I don't know. But, I, yeah, I, again, I, I just wish he didn't cozy up to, to, to Putin in Russia. Like, it, I mean, we've, we've seen whistleblowers, like, in, in the Trump administration, like, you know, we've seen whistleblowers read anonymous op-eds. And, right. and, you know, and, and with like not much in the way of retaliation, so it's like I don't think Snowden had to like cozy up to Putin in order to like leak this. I, right. So I, what, I mean, that's what one thing I've noticed, and this is correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like this is your position at all, but I, a lot of people um, on Twitter this morning who kind of identify with like the neocon kind of you know Bush era right, it's like they seem a lot more upset that Edward Snowden cozied up with Putin than the fact that John Brennan <laughs> perjured himself in front of Congress and that the NSA was spying on American citizens. It's like, okay, like you can be mad at both, but you should probably be more mad at one of those things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, it no, seems yeah, like no, an no, odd position yeah. to take. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I definitely don't identify as a neocon. Um, and I think, some, I think and, you know, some people use that term very loosely. In fact, too loosely in some cases, because sometimes, and, and not, not all the time, and I, I think this is like a very small sex, subsection of cases, but in some cases, a, a neocon can be used as, as, as an it's slur. Um, and that's not, I mean, again, like, that's a very small portion of cases when the term is used, but it can be in certain contexts. Um, but but like in terms of like actual neoconservatives like Bill Kristol, um, it, 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 it comes from like former liberals right. 
who um, got turned off by the left during the Cold War, and then they became Republicans. Right. Um, but like they are former liberals, and clearly, like those liberal that 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 liberal side has been exposed during the Trump during the Trump years because they have just got, I mean Bill Crystal's just gone off the deep end. Oh yeah. Um, and it's been the case for a while now. So, um, I think yeah, I, I, and and a lot of a lot of neoconservatives tend to be. And, I mean, when we talk about like um, interventionist warmongering foreign policy, um, I, and that again, I, I think those terms are, are used too loosely a lot. But I think in the case of like Bill Crystal and and uh, George W. Bush, that does apply at least to some degree because 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 we're talking about like radical interventionism to where like our troops would be spread thin. It's like every conflict ever, which just isn't, it's just not feasible. Right. There's a difference between um, like, you know, not every single congressman or, or senator that, that voted for the Iraq war is necessarily a neocon, but there are the Bill Crystals of the world that do literally want to invade every country. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I know people, especially libert- my fellow libertarians do throw around that term uh, loosely, but and, and the term neocon originated from the 60s right and it was the the 70s the 70s yeah and they were all former democrats who kind of joined the republican party but they they kind of brought their like keynesian left-wing economics with them i mean like the the actual neocons are really not distinguishable from a democrat at least as things stand now right like as 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 the trump years have proven right like right right like i i mean bill crystal sounds like sounds like a sounds like a left-wing hack now yeah, I mean he's um, telling he's telling people to vote for Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Okay, like you're not a God, conservative. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Oh boy, that that that, that guy is, a, is 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 basically he's he's a radical's radical. He's he's basically Jeremiah Wright. Yeah. Running for Senate. Yeah, um, and, and with that guy, please Georgia Republicans get out and vote, and Georgia Democrats please stay home. Please, <laughs> yeah, please seriously. don't vote. I mean this guy, and as a I'm a devout Christian myself, and and hearing. A guy like Warnock twists scripture to try to promote his brand of communism is just—it's evil. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's evil to to listen to this man speak. I mean, I, it's no, nobody in the country deserves to lose more than this man. Yeah, and and you hear talk about Israel a lot too, and it, oh, it's man. really frustrating oh. to see a lot of people in the Jewish community just like basically simp for this guy, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And it points like one video from 2015. Where like he's he's introducing Ambassador Ron Dermer, who's the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., and he's like, oh, it's just my buddy Ron Dermer, and he, and it was a, a close ally, and 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 the, you know, the Jewish a lot of Jewish liberals were like, oh, see, like he's a friend of Israel. It's like, no, he's not. Like, like this, just this past week, a sermon came out where he is openly, uh, he's basically comparing Netanyahu to George Wallace because yeah. he used the term occupation today, occupation tomorrow. Occupation forever. That's that's a clear reference to George Wallace's segregation yes. today, etc. And I saw some people were like, "Oh, that's not a comparison, to George Wallace." Uh, yeah, it is. Like that. It's like he knew what he was doing when he was when he was using that line. Um, and of course, telling Israel an apartheid state and that usual sort of garbage that he's been promoting. I mean, like those have been anti-Semitic slurs for a long time now. I mean, that's it's it, it, it's it's a clear example of. Like anti-Israel rhetoric that, that devolves into anti-Semitism, and Warnock has been—it's like he's on tape using that type of anti-Israel rhetoric, um, and it's in a lot of people Jewish community are just dismissing it. 
And it makes me so mad um, because, uh, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, in the Jew- a lot of people, I guess, you, hear this, you hear this question all the time. It's like, why did Jews vote Democrat? And the, 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 most, the, the, the best explanation for it is the fact that, generally speaking, the more religious you are, the more, um, the more conservative you are, politically yes. speaking. Um, and the case of Jews, um, a plurality of Jews in the U.S. and it's, it's been the case for years are secular. Um, so it, go, it, it there so it goes without saying then that because of that, a lot of Jews tend to lean left and vote Democrat. Um, and a lot of Jews I've noticed tend to view progressivism as just synonymous with Judaism, which again it, it just it, it just it drives me crazy because I mean. I'm I'm not I'm not I am not, a, I'm not a, a religious guy. Like my mom isn't Jewish, so technically speaking, a lot of Orthodox Jews don't view me as Jewish. Whatever, you know, I, I I don't keep Shabbos, I don't keep kosher, you know. But like even I, as somebody who's not religious, can understand that progressivism and Judaism are not necessarily synonymous. Like I I, I really don't think religion should become synonymous with politics. Um, but more and more, we're seeing the two become intertwined, and um. And it's just it it just drives me crazy. <laughs> I mean, the George Wallace thing. I mean, that that comp- calling Benjamin Netanyahu, comparing him to George Wallace, that doesn't even make any sense. Okay, like it goes it without really doesn't. it goes without saying. But like, look, if if Israel laid down their arms right now, the Palestinian Authority would slaughter every man, woman, As and child. Hamas and Hezbollah, it, et cetera. Yeah, I All mean, they, they, they would slaughter every Israeli Jew. Men, women, and men, women, and children. Okay, I, I don't. Maybe I need to brush up on my history. I do not recall black Southern Americans. I, I don't think their goal was to slaughter every white person. Okay, I don't. Yeah. Think, I do not think that was Martin Luther King's goal. Okay, I'm pretty sure it was not. So, like, even just at face value, that comparison makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, if look at Israel today, it's like a Palestine. Well, a, well, more correct is Israeli Arabs in Israel have equal rights under the law. I mean, yes. a quarter of the Knesset, which is which is the Israeli parliament, consists of Arabs. Yeah. And by Arabs, I mean, like, there's an actual party called the Arab Party. Yeah. Um, and they openly call for Israel's destruction on the floor of the Knesset. And, like, and they're allowed to do so. Yeah. Because Israel actually recognizes human rights. They actually recognize freedom of speech and freedom of religion uh, and, and so forth. Um. A lot of people, when they make these stupid comparisons to segregation and to apartheid, they're not—they kind of gloss over that. But always refer to like the West Bank, which is which day in Samaria, and be like, "Oh, look at how Palestinian villages are treated." The rest can compared to is to Israeli settlements that are displacing Palestinian homes. So, firstly, um, firstly, uh, most Palestinian areas in the West Bank are controlled by the Palestinian Authority. Right. The Palestinian Authority is just, I mean, at first, I mean, they're op- the Palestinian Authority is openly paying terrorists to kill Jews, for starters. Um, and they're, they're openly brainwashing their populace with, like, anti-Jewish, anti-Israeli propaganda and foreign textbooks and media and, and so forth. Uh, but And they're also just, like, they're also a, 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 a kleptocracy because, like, they... Are they, they engage in intimidation of journalists and they, you know, they're like corrupt and they have like these lavish government sort of, um, I guess, lavish government benefits while they keep their own people in poverty, uh, for starters. And second, secondly, um, and, and all these homes, 
the narrative about homes being displaced, the Palestinian homes being displaced and demolished is also a false narrative because a lot, a lot of cases like these, it's, 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 it's ordered by the Israeli Supreme Court because they've been squatting on land um, or, or it's been deemed a terror threat because like some of these villages, you know, in some cases, like there are terrorists in these villages. Right. So like, and it, it's, and it's not, the Israeli Supreme Court does, is actually a lot more strict about like what gets demolished and what doesn't. And so like, and the point I'm trying to make here is, is that there is literally no basis to use comparisons to segregation and apartheid to 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 Israel treatment of the Palestinians. It, it, it's not there. I mean, anybody with even a basic cursory knowledge of the conflict would know that. But in the case of anti-Israel propagandists, which includes Warnock, um, if they if they don't if they if they hear uh, that, that basically they're they're being filled with like Palestinian Authority propaganda and garbage. Yeah, I mean it's tale as old as time. Blame the Jews. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a major faction within the Democratic Party, we're not included, that just don't care. I mean, they do not care about the facts on the ground in the Middle East at all. Yeah, please, and, Georgia, and, and, do and, not. Is this yeah. is this really who you want representing Georgia? I mean, come on, people. Aaron, exactly. Doctor Bandler, yeah. I gotta let you go. We're way over time, but thanks so much for doing this. I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Uh, where can everybody uh, follow you online and read all of your doctorly? Uh, yeah, my doc, all my doctorly <laughs> scholarly articles. Your, your um, doctor so, some uh, writings, yes. Right. Um, so you can follow me at Bandler's Banter. I'm also on Parlor with, with the same handle. Um, and uh, yeah, you and see, I I I write for JewishNow.com. I always write like one or two articles a day on there. Um, I know I, I said this before, but I'm gonna say it again because it's true. Like there is gonna be some big stuff happening. Uh, hopefully soon. I, I don't know when, but something big is is coming. And um, stay tuned. You, I think you teased that the last time you were on the podcast, so definitely uh, put a move I'll, on. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying again. Like I, uh, I'll tell you about it. Like when we're off, when we're offline. Um, but it's just it's something that's big, and it's just taking more time than I thought it would. But it's gonna be big. It's gonna be massive. So stay tuned, people. Absolutely, everybody. Uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Everybody follow Aaron. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Thank you.